Hey y'all, I'm Reese and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective here to help guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I am joined by the absolutely lovely Savvy Davidson. Savvy is a Reiki healer and just an all-around really lovely person that I feel really thankful to call a friend. Savvy is also interested in nutrition, health, wellness, and works at Resonance Wellness with Dr. Layla Doolittle, who was a guest on the episode last week. So you'll see the same background for this video, and I'm just feeling so thankful for these two wonderful women having come into my life and being able to work with them has just been such a blessing. In this episode, Savvy and I really talk about a wide range of things from the power of femininity to healing practices and different healing modalities. And then of course we dive into Reiki, what energy healing is, where it comes from, how Savvy got into it, all of that really cool stuff. If this is your first time here, please click subscribe, give this video a like. If you are listening, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give me a five-star rating, leave a review. It feels icky to say these things, but in this digital age and the world that we live in, um, it's part of the program. So here I am trying to check those boxes. So I hope you forgive any weirdness that that may feel, that that may cause for you. Um, it feels a little weird for me too, but um, I appreciate you being here and being a part of the collective. I think that is all I have for y'all. So with all of that being said, let's take a deep breath and get started. Savvy, thank you so much for being here, sitting down, taking the time, energy to do this with me. I am so thrilled and excited. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. Thank you. So you just listened to Layla's session, but we'll start. What is one thing you're grateful for right now? Mm. I'm very grateful for the synchronistic blessings. Mm. It seems like everything recently has been playing out so beautifully. Everything is for a reason. Even the moments where you doubt, you know, yourself, you doubt others, or you get hurt physically or emotionally, those moments are bringing the positive moments into balance because you can't have one without the other. Mm. So I'm very thankful for the synchronistic moments where my eyes have been opened to how everything is interconnected and everything is playing out for the highest and greatest good of all. Yeah. And I love that you say for all, right? Because yeah. that does include you yeah. and me. It includes, well, it's all, but I think so often for me, it's like my highest and greatest good, my perfect comfort and alignment, but it's like, it is for all. And we are an infinite piece of this infinite interconnectedness. So yes. I love that you say all. Um, second question to really kickstart us, what is your story? 
And it's a big one. Feel free to share whatever you feel called to share in this moment. Well, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, stories are really important. Before I go into mine, I would like to preface that please it's so interesting i feel like as humans we have this need for our individual stories Mm. in some ways that can be the ego wanting us to feel important or seen or you know really powerful you know yeah but my story is just one of human experience and I don't relate to it near as much as I used to Mm. because it's not, I mean, every experience plays into who I am now, but it's not something that I identify with because if I did, I would be a completely different person right now. So currently I am a Reiki practitioner at Resonance Wellness. I just got done taking Reiki 2 and that certification class was really powerful for me. So it was a full day of practicing Reiki, learning Reiki symbols, which are ancient tools that um, Mikao Usui, which is the founder of Reiki in Japan, created. And they were around even before him, but he really brought them to light when he started teaching Reiki in the early 90s. And, um, and so Reiki 2 is very, very powerful modality. It's a playoff of Reiki 1, but it incorporates these symbols that like one is for power and enhancing the Reiki capabilities. Mm. One is for bringing to light emotional patterns, anything emotionally that may be blocking the energetic body, and the other is for long distance Reiki. And so all of these were taught in this course, and at the end you get an attunement, which an attunement is bringing somebody energetically into the alignment of the Reiki channel. So Reiki is actually known as the universal life force. Mm. And as a Reiki practitioner, I imagined opening myself to this universal energy, which is not my own. It just simply flows through me to the person on the table or in a chair. And it is unconditional love and healing. And that's, <laughs> you know, I even get a treatment myself as I do Reiki. Right. So um, Reiki is really, really special, but it's not where I'm where I'm stopping. It's, mm. it's only like the beginning. When I was a kid, I had an amazing childhood. Of course, we always have things that, you know, events or traumatic happenings that are really just lessons for us, mm-hmm. bringing us to our ultimate potential. But, you know, mine were um, hard to understand. And it recently, this understanding of, like, I had to go through this in order to get to where I am is something that I've let go of more because I'm just so grateful for it. Mm. But, it but in the moment, it was really, really hard. And so... For a long time as a kid, I kind of disassociated. I kind of blocked these painful memories. And throughout the years, I was trying to get back to, you know, when I was supposed to be developing myself and my personality and 
who I am in this world. As a kid, I was going through trauma. Mm. And that was really, really hard for me because it's like, where where did I begin and where, you know, am I going, mm. right? Well, you so, can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're coming from. Exactly. Totally. So, you know, and, and besides these events, like I had a really good childhood, um, but it was, it was a moment that I had, I think a year ago, where my eyes were suddenly opened and I completely disconnected from that story of like, mm. I went through this and I couldn't trust my father. And, you know, I blamed my mom for some things. And like, I had to, one, I had to have a conversation with my mom. I had to have, you know, re-interaction with my father mm-hmm. to really heal those wounds. But on a deep emotional level, it took myself knowing myself intimately really not being afraid of those hard emotions because it can't be all peace, love, and joy all the time. You Mm. have to go through that in order to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. So Reiki has helped me with that. But even before I got into Reiki, I had this moment where I knew that my mission on this earth is to bring healing for others Absolutely, but for myself first. Mm. Because I've always been one to do things for others. And I still am, you know, but putting myself priority has been a game changer for that. So Mm. now that I, and and I'm still going through it every day and I will continue to, I'm sure for a very long time, if not forever. But after going through my healing journey, I'm able to, detached from myself and who I think I'm supposed to be like the authenticity you were talking Mm, about mm -hmm. the truest self without criticizing myself or being hard on myself get to that place and then teach others Mm. how to so I heal with Reiki and then I also want to empower others and teach others this this is the enlightenment this is it. Yeah, totally, totally. <clears throat> it's everything can be a tool, yeah. right? And hearing you say that like Reiki is a big part of this, right? But it's not where you're stopping. It's not the capstone of your work or your mission. Um, it's a piece of it. It's a way to um, engage with it, but it's exactly. not... Um, it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, capital I, it. Um, And I think you're so right in the sense that um, when we tell stories, our ego really does want that to be important. Um, And I feel that every day where I'm like my, I absolutely relate to your mission of wanting to help others from my place of healed wholeness. Yes, um, exactly. But in a ego-free way yeah. and trying to find that balance in prioritizing the self and making sure that, you know, everyone knows that put your own mask on first and then you help the person next to you. Right. But to actually practice that yeah. is much, much harder in a true sense. Um, And then to be able to help others from that place without it being about ego is 
it's hard for me sometimes to identify which place I'm coming from and making sure that I'm doing that from a place of compassion and wholeness and not, I keep using the word ego, but ego. What is that balance like for you in this journey of helping people and taking care of yourself, but from a place of um, wholeness and not lack? That's a really good question. Well, one, I would say the ego tends to see self-care as vain or conceited. Mm. And that is where insecurity lies. The mm. ego is insecure. We ourselves as beings, as pure light consciousness on this planet, we don't come into this world with insecurity. That is our ego. The ego wants us to be hard on ourselves yeah. and not take care of ourselves and focus on everybody else not and not even in a loving way. It's just like, what did they think of me? What, right. What does this person want from me? What can I do for them in order to receive this? Letting that completely go, letting the ego go has been probably the biggest and hardest part of this journey because the ego loves suffering. Mm. It literally feeds on pain. And, yeah. And the ego is what we think of when we are in the most heightened state of not awareness unawareness mm -hmm. that is when we are trying to listen to someone and the ego is thinking is judging or is thinking what how can i reply to this person instead of totally letting go listening intently or listening with healing healing itself so for me the journey of the ego <laughs> i've really had to nurture my ego from the observer's point of view. So like mm. I am the observer of the observer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. The ego is what we see the world through. And I have to take a step back from that. And it helps through meditation and through like constant presence in every moment. And with that presence is me being able to see the ego's reactions and then putting that to the side in a loving way and coming from my most authentic and highest self. Mm, yeah. In terms of a couple thoughts, one, stepping back and observing the observer is so, so powerful. Um, and I think even from a more like clinical perspective, that's what you teach in like cognitive behavioral therapy as a way to improve behavior, right? But yeah. also in this spiritual sense, it is a way to realign with, like you just said, your most authentic highest self and not letting um, your trauma, your um, experiences in just this one lifetime color your interactions. You are trying to approach it clean. Yeah. Um, and I think that is so beautiful and also ties into what Dr. Doolittle was just speaking about in terms of constant meditation. Yeah. Um, Dr. Doolittle's episode will be coming out before Savvy's. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. Um, but she mentioned um, how meditation for her has really become this kind of daily constant practice of always trying to find awareness. I think stepping out of your immediate reaction into the observer is such a powerful tool for doing that, um, which I think is beautiful. In terms of finding authenticity, 
the lie that I tell myself a lot of the time is that the ego actually is authentic because it's your first reaction or that whatever that gut primal reaction is, is more authentic Mm -hmm. and that choosing something else feels fake, right? Right. Thoughts on that? There is a difference between you telling yourself and the ego telling yourself. And there's also a difference between intuition and innate reaction. Mm. Innate wisdom is intuition. Your first reaction oftentimes is what you have been programmed to think or do or say or feel. There are thought patterns, there are emotional patterns. All of that plays a role based on your previous human experience and what your peers have told you and your parents and teachers and friends have influenced through you. All of that plays a role into your initial reaction. But that's where the meditation comes in, the constant meditation, where instead of in this survival state, that is this reaction based on what you in the past have always had to do in order to survive or get or belong or Mm. seem authentic. Yes. Once you get past that and let that go through a constant state of feeling love for yourself, not your ego self, your true self, Mm. that is the intuition that arises if you allow it to flow and open your mind. That is the higher self. And I really do feel like, you know, it's hard to talk about the ego because the ego gets triggered by the ego. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know? And it's like, hey, it's like, yeah. Hey, I see you. <laughs> like, no, no, no. This is, yeah. is that true? Yeah. But yeah, no. And it's, so it's, a, it's difficult to learn about and like speak about, but I really do feel like we, every day, we have the potential for like total presence and that connection it like when we open ourselves to the flow the divine flow which is unconditional love like Mm. without judgment we're not judging ourselves or others then like the ego has no place for that Mm. you know we're we're letting go and filling it back up with that resonance Mm -hmm. yeah like dr Doolittle was talking yeah totally how do you parse out the difference between that intuition, innate knowledge and response. How do those feel different to you? Yeah. I heard this saying once and it was like, before you say something, think or ask yourself, is this true? Is this kind? How does this help? And if not one of those is yes, then it doesn't need to be said. And that is probably not your intuition or your Mm. highest self. So I think that every time I speak and I also, it takes self-awareness. If you are not, if we are not self-aware as reactive creatures, then we are totally disconnected from that place of truth and authenticity Mm. you know i mean it takes courage to be vulnerable yeah it also takes self-awareness to bring out the vulnerability that is true yes that is chosen right i think 
so often because like authenticity, vulnerability are these really like hot button concepts right now. And I think that's what we all want, right? Is to love and be loved authentically. Um, But even that want, I think does come a little bit from ego and wanting that to be like stroked and placated a little bit. but that there's often this misconception of authenticity, meaning I don't have to do the work. I'm just whatever comes, right? And I think that in a certain sense, once you have reached a place of being able to just let yourself be, that's great. However, I think also it takes work and time and energy and choice and intention to show up truthfully in order to let the truth just be. How do you conceptualize of that kind of difference between letting be truthfully and letting be, I don't necessarily want to say unhealthily, but in the sense that's um, the, the really the best way I can frame it is like in high school. I totally remember this being like, um, either you're fake or you're real, you know? And yeah. it's like, well, it's not necessarily fake to observe and make a different choice, right? That's actually the most authentic, realist form of our highest self mm. arising in that moment. However, I think there's also a lot of value placed on not being fake yeah thoughts yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm not framing these as questions anymore That's i'm okay. just saying no, things okay yeah i love these conversations because they're so real um that reminds me of an experience that was exactly about that when i was a kid actually like several experiences over time but the very first experience that i had with being real versus being fake um was somebody came up to me, I think in the courtyard during a break, I was in junior high and I don't, I, so I was like 12 or 13 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember them saying to me something about you're always happy all the time. Like everyone has said, this is just fake. Like, yeah you seem so fake because you're not, no one can be happy all the time. And I was just like, I was stunned. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I was just like, well, this is how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that I'm enough? sorry. This is how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's so crazy to think like this, this peaceful, blissful feeling doesn't seem real because not enough people allow themselves to feel that way. And that's what it is, isn't it? I had an extremely similar experience where someone came up to me and was like, I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face. And I see you saying that was totally like talk about the synchronicities. Like I was just like, whoa. Um, But I'm like, you know, that's probably true, at least at that time in my life. (laughs) Right. And I think I've um changed and elevated to a place where um my positivity is a a healthier version of it than it used to be but at that time in my life that really was such a part of who i am and and who i wanted to be was someone who was 
100% of the time a positive light period. I'm not going to burden anyone else with things, Mm -hmm. which comes with its own set of um, struggles and things that needed to be healed and worked through to be authentic, right? But someone coming up and saying, there's no way this is real. And it being like, well, (laughs) was it real this morning when I woke up that I just woke up with a smile on my face? No, I I was tired and all of the things. But on the drive here today, did I say my affirmations and remind myself of the things to be grateful for and of the person that I want to be and how I feel that I'm here to help spread positivity? It's like, yeah, I did. So I got there. Exactly. It's yeah. a conscious choice. Yeah, totally. It really is. And at that time, I will say that was also purely inner child bliss. Because mm. there is definitely a difference between now as adults, we choose to be happy, mm. we choose to be grateful, despite everything we've been through and everything that we could see as problems in our lives. Right. And there is a difference between the pure inner child that is so naturally happy despite because children are not near as programmed and they are not programmed. They don't come into this life right. with like negativity and, oh, I, I hate that this happened to me today, like victimizing and all of that. They're naturally light beings and that pure happiness, that pure joy followed me until I needed to deal with my childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. That is where the smile on my face was hiding pain mm. and I was people pleasing. Yes. And then I had to really go through some really hard times. That's where the depression of teenagers mm-hmm. comes in a lot of the time where they are consciously trying not to heal trauma, but yeah. like subconsciously it is affecting every decision that they make and every person yeah. that they're friends with. So then that time comes to heal that. But I will say, like, I I really didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up because I couldn't stand, as a child, I couldn't stand being around the, the choices that those humans made to, to allow their suffering to be so present mm. all the time. Because I didn't want to allow it to affect me. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to struggle through some certain friendships. Sure. <laughs> and, like, be really lonely and then find a huge group of friends where none of them were close friends. And I was just anxious for, like, people to hang out with because I thought I was losing my teens. And then go through losing all of those friends to realize I am my own best friend. Mm-hmm. And then I attract people that are reflections of myself. <sighs> because everything in our reality is a reflection of what's going on inside of our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's so true of how we are all living a different reality and mm-hmm. really needing to settle into someone else is living their reality too. And they are seeing me through the reflection of themselves. And making space for that and knowing that like I am a part of their like they are the main character in their story as much as I am that in mine and I should be the best you know sidekick or 
random cameo or you know whatever that role ends up being that I can be to serve their path and journey. Talking about the teenagerhood and friendships especially, I think it's so interesting that for you that was such a moment of the not feeling the need to um, like push or choose happiness or um, an intention there until you were dealing with healing that childhood trauma. That was not an eloquent way to say that, but I think you know what I mean. It's always um, eloquent. Thank you. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is inner child work and how so much of that is so healing for us as adults. And I think that it's really framed as inner child healing a lot of the time. And you have to heal your inner child when so much of like inner child work for me has felt like returning mm. to my inner child. Yeah. And yes, of course, there is like healing that needs to happen there, but um, not seeing the brokenness of who that inner child is, but seeing the wholeness of who we all are um, innately yeah, and returning to that. I would love your take on mm. inner child work and how your perspective shifted when you started really healing some of that childhood trauma. Yeah, I appreciate how you said that it's not the brokenness, mm. but it's the wholeness. It's not the lack of, it is the fact that there is. Mm. That's really important because all healing is simply a remembrance. It's not constructing back, it is remembering who we are as healed beings. And I think that's part of the enlightenment journey as well. Mm. We are remembering our gifts. We are remembering how beautiful we are inside and out. We are realizing that these bodies and our experiences do not make up who we are. It is the consciousness and being inside of us. And being stands for like presence, the right. state awareness. So inner child work is, is important. Um, I think the inner child, one, can always be healed with Reiki. Mm. You can always, and that's what's so beautiful about the universal life force healing energy, is that you can project it not only into this present moment, but into the past and into the future. Something that I've had to go back and do is go back to my past, speak to seven-year-old Savvy, and hug her and nurture her while she is crying because I didn't have anybody to do that in that moment whenever yeah. I was seven. Doing that was more healing than anything that I have dealt with in the past five years of yeah. my self-growth journey because the child part of ourselves is the pure form of how we've developed into who we are now. So the inner child is something that you can always speak to. It is part of you, it is you. And it is simply the purity and the innate loving being mm. that is part of you. This idea that the inner child is always a part of us. 
I think is so important because so often, I think when people talk about inner child work, they talk about it as though the inner child is separate from you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you hear this thing where it's like, I had to go back and hug and nurture my younger self and it is so healing, but being aware that you are also doing that for that piece of you now, exactly. I think is also, <laughs> recognizing that it is a radical act of self-love and that even in projecting it as oh it's younger me it's still a way to disconnect it from taking care of yourself right that it's yeah. like it has to be about this other aspect of me that's not who i am anymore um because the ego comes in and says it's selfish or conceited yeah. or narcissistic to love yourself and take care of yourself um, so I love that, that it is, yes, your younger self who is also here with you right now in this present moment. Um, you were also talking about being and kind of your conception and definition of being and something that as an English and philosophy major language fascinates me. Um, and I have always been hung up on how we have turned the word being, which is a verb, a doing word into a noun, a human mm -hmm. being, yeah. it's now a noun. Fundamentally, we are verbs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we've turned it into this like stagnant thing. Um, so I would love to hear more about how you really think about being and more about your definition of that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we are birds. <laughs> we That's are birds. so funny. Yeah, and I love that you ask the, the important questions and the deeper questions because these are things that I'm so passionate about sharing about. Recently, I was reading The Power of Now by mm. Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Very profoundly powerful book. That book basically explains the foundational concept of being and whenever i was i actually was reading this yesterday i was on a plane flying back from um, georgia beach which is so cool that i manifested this opportunity to travel recently to the beach but i was reading this book the power of now and it was explaining the conscious act of bringing all of your energy back to yourself in this moment no matter where your thought may be or your energy may be you bring it back to yourself you feel your diaphragm expanding and contracting with every deep breath and you imagine the white light being of this part of self mm. it is not your physical form it is not your ego. It's not your inner child. It's not your shadow self. It is the innate presence of this consciousness that is separate from logical thought. This presence. It remains under the stillness of every moment. It is present through every interaction and human experience. 
It is present in pain and suffering, and it is present in bliss and peacefulness. And you don't even have to be meditating to feel this. Mm. Just taking a second, whether your eyes are open or closed, disconnecting from the reality that is 3D around us, that literally manifested in physical form, but it's all energy, and coming back to your own energy. This goes back to knowing yourself intimately, but if you can feel the peaceful love that is your consciousness projected in this 3D reality, I truly feel like that is foundationally presence. Mm. Everything that you just said, I think is so important to, like you said, it's, it's foundational to everything in that presence is the foundation of every moment, but also the awareness for us of presence being the foundation is also the foundation for us to grow in our own journeys, right? It is both like metaphysically and personally foundational. Yeah. At least that's how I interact with it. Um, and one piece that you said was, um, it's a part of innately and intimately knowing the self. And I love the use of the word intimately. And there are so many words, again, going back to being fascinated with language. Right. <laughs> that get, <laughs> that get, I think, misused often. And you hear the word intimacy and people associate it with like romantic intimacy or like passionate physical intimacy. Um, but that's not what intimate really means. That is how it can be used, but it is actually really deep interconnection and understanding, right? Mm -hmm. When you're being really intimate with someone, it is intense vulnerability. Um, talk to me a little bit more about your understanding of intimately knowing yourself and what that journey has been like for you to intimately get to know yourself. Hmm. Intimacy is at the basis of intimacy is true inner knowing by feeling so deeply connected to someone or something that you become one with it. Mm. The idea of intimacy has really come from a place of letting go, like you were talking about earlier. Once I let go of holding myself back because I was afraid to confront the darker, deeper, harsher parts of myself, I was able to step into the part of myself that wants so badly to be intimately known. Getting to know that part of myself has built a relationship with the self that I know as savvy. And it all I had to do was literally be open and just listen. Yeah. To myself. Listen to my thoughts. 
cutting out all of the distractions in our outside world, like music that is constantly playing, it seems, conversation that is used to fill silence, TVs that we play whenever we get home instead of sitting with ourselves and thinking, how did I feel today? Mm. What do I need to process right now? Cutting out those distractions and coming back into the present body to feel every emotion and sensation that comes up. That is intimacy in itself. Mm. It doesn't matter if you are touching yourself physically, which is equally as important. Connecting to my divine feminine flow has been something that I have had to come back into terms with yeah. after the trauma that I had in my childhood where I was disconnected from my feminine side because of survival. Mm. Now coming back to that is part of my intimacy journey. Allowing myself pleasure is a really, really big one. Pleasure from somebody else too, which I thought I wouldn't ever <laughs> get back to. Um, well, and talk about vulnerability right? in order to allow that to arise. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting in you saying like th this part of yourself that wants so deeply to be seen wholly, right? To really be seen. And I just relate to that feeling so much of like wanting to be just fully understood. And this intimacy with self is, you know what, if no one else sees or understands, I hold that space for myself. Exactly. I will always see myself and honor that piece of me that needs that, right? Yeah. But there is this other dimension and how beautiful it is when you can find other people, whether it be familial, friendship, romantic, or otherwise relationships that also hold space for you to be seen and see you in ways that you might not have the perspective to see yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think we as we ourselves are the ones, if no one else, that will deeply understand ourselves the mm. most. Yes, That yes. was something that in childhood, you know, I really wanted was to be seen and understood. But now with the, the closest that I've developed, the self-relationship, which is more important than any other relationship we have, I now feel seen and understood. That goes back to being the observer of the observer. Mm. That's the outside perspective. Yes, you can get it from other people and that takes vulnerability as well intimacy with other people is not only physical it's also emotional intimacy. totally totally and being vulnerable with other people mm -hmm. that takes courage but in yourself being vulnerable to be intimate and get to know yourself you can so many perspectives come mm. like you can see yourself from a totally different point of view and that is powerful so then you can powerful. step into your power yes yes Absolutely. Um, and this idea, it, just hearing you say um, that that was especially something you wanted in childhood. I'm like, me too. That was all I wanted as a little kid was just to be seen, right? Yeah. And everything that that carries um, and how powerful it has been for me to grow up and realize 
I didn't need someone else to give that to me. Like how many things are we looking for externally that we can give to ourselves? Not everything, like relationships I think are extremely important, of course, and you can't give everything just to yourself. But feeling seen and understood absolutely is one of those things. And it's like, there is something so intrinsically powerful to holding space for yourself. So I love that. Love that, I love that. It's nurturing. Yes. Yes. Talking a little bit about embracing your femininity and like the divinity of the feminine um because that's been a really interesting journey for me too um both in terms of like the physical body being women but also the energy of the divine woman and embracing both the masculine and feminine energies that we all carry within us i would love to hear more about your journey with that yeah that's a really good topic because the body is, is separated. What The body is one, but the left side is feminine and the right side is masculine. So in as a practitioner, <clears throat> with Reiki, I notice based on the trauma or the injuries that someone has had energetically with the feminine or the masculine, Oftentimes it presents itself as physical injury or blocks in the body. Interesting. Yes. So I'm actually about to go to California for an emotional decoding class. This class is going to allow me to understand the programming, the habitual thought patterns and the emotional codes that make up the human self based on everything that we've gathered informationally throughout our life Mm. with my feminine that part of myself was contracted a little bit Mm -hmm. because i didn't feel safe in childhood Mm. and i heard i heard somewhere somebody said the feminine wants to feel safe and the masculine wants to feel respected Mm. that is really interesting because within the two parts of ourself comes duality that's where the yin and yang comes in yang is the masculine the, the right. white light with the the darker inside of it the yin is the feminine energy with the blackness and then the light the spark of life life force inside those come together in the body to create beautiful harmonic balance of feminine and masculine and whenever one gets energy drained energetically drained or energetically overly excessive it has to come back into balance Mm. systems in the body energetically emotionally or physically can be thrown off by this disresonance this disbalance so on my journey whenever my feminine side especially recently has been really flourishing because i've allowed it to before that i had to really come to terms with i am safe Mm. to be feminine I'm safe to be feminine. And I think all women should remember this and repeat this because in a world where sexual sexuality is such a big thing, oftentimes we don't feel safe to be feminine because we're worried that we will be hurt somehow. Mm-hmm. But whenever I came to terms with the fact that I am so divinely protected, I manifest my experiences in reality, 
I had to shift focus from feeling unsafe and constantly having my guard up to releasing my guard, especially toward masculine people that don't even have to be men, in order to have deeper relationships, Mm. more authentic conversations where I wasn't constantly guarding myself, and the energies interacting between every human, especially during a conversation, people's energies are interacting. And whenever my feminine is around masculine in the past, it has been more guarded. And Mm -hmm. so I had to know myself intimately, meditate, find the presence within, and then also allow myself to expand that side of myself. Mm. Because my masculine was overcompensating in past relationships, which is why I went through toxic relationships. One of the reasons my masculine was overcompensating because I didn't feel safe to be feminine. And so in return, that balance of polarity brought my partner to be more feminine, which is so interesting. It's all psychological and emotional and Mm -hmm. spiritual. Physical has very little to do with it, but I'm in a relationship now, (laughs) which is so amazing, (laughs) where I I feel very safe to be feminine and he feels empowered to be masculine Mm. because of that and so i've learned a lot in this relationship but before i got into it i had to embody the divine feminine in order to attract the opposite energy that was bringing that balance back Mm. to one interesting isn't it so interesting how it's both and in terms of attracting the opposite energy that is also attracting same energy right because it's bringing it back into balance um and it's like when you are balanced here then you will attract the balance in the other person but knowing that you are safe and accepted and whole and you can show up as whoever you are that day that moment yeah and that allows that for the other person that you can find that balance but you can also find your dissimilarities that pull you together how cool that is so (laughs) that's a really good way to frame it (laughs) yeah I love that um I want to dive a little bit more into Reiki yeah um I guess I just would love to hear more about your journey in discovering Reiki realizing that this was a tool you wanted to use to achieve the things you want to achieve to grow in the way you want to grow to heal and help the people you want to heal and help um and how it has helped you personally along your journey as you've helped other people Mm. yes that's such a beautiful inquiry um i will have all of the listeners know that reese brown was my very first reiki patient you're kidding (laughs) I, I didn't you, know that. You were my very first person I worked on right after my certification. Wait. <laughs> that is... Okay, why am I, like, proud? <laughs> I'm like, that's so cool. Right? Wait, I feel like I need a badge of honor. That's yes, so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I will carry it with me always. <laughs> yeah. You were my that is very amazing. first patient. Wow. Yeah. And your experience was so beautiful. And it really so was. Open. That literally, that in itself, I knew I wanted to do Reiki, but that was so encouraging for me mm. and inspiring to continue on that path. Yeah. Because you know the first experience of really anything makes the biggest impression in it your mind. It sticks with you. 
and your experience was so healing and like if you don't mind me sharing you know no please you shed some tears Mm -hmm. you know you your body was experiencing the energy the energetic flow Mm -hmm. as certain chakra points in the body were opening and i remember thinking whenever you came up off the table and you were like wiping your tears and you were like that was so beautiful (laughs) i remember thinking like you did that healing but i held this space and i'm Mm. so honored as a Reiki practitioner, something that I keep in mind is I am not the one doing the healing. I am simply allowing this space, holding this beautiful, safe healing space and allowing the healing energy and life force to flow through me for your healing, mm. for the people's healing. That's very encouraging for me because, you know, I, I don't want to take the... I don't want to take that that affirmation and make it my own as if like I'm doing the healing. It is right. it is the person allowing it. And I always begin my Reiki sessions with <clears throat> imagine yourself opening mm-hmm. to receive the healing. And I always end it with thank you so much for receiving and thank you for trusting me. Mm-hmm. And throughout this past year, because I really got my certification officially at the very beginning of this year, 2023, throughout this past year, I, throughout my healing journey in itself, I've unlocked, I feel more and more my my abilities. Um, and so I'll find that like, my hands get really warm during mm-hmm. the session. My arms get tingly. I feel the flow of love and healing. And that is how I know like the Reiki force is so present and prominent flowing through me it took because it's not super tangible therapy i do hands-on and hands-off and i sometimes do a light massage Mm -hmm. or movement as the body needs but it it didn't begin as super tangible and so i've had to really you know trust myself with it now that i fully trust myself the possibilities are limitless sometimes because i every time i go into a reiki session i connect with person's energetic field i open myself my intuition to what they need and so sometimes i give messages throughout the session of you know certain codes to help them release emotional blockages Mm -hmm. and you know affirmations that help release the chakra or bring it back into balance or sometimes i'm just so silent i'm allowing them to meditate it really depends on what they their body tells Mm. me it needs but as I move, I become one with them and I'm grounded and yet I am expanded. Mm. And every time somebody comes off the table, their energy is just so light and they feel truly at peace. Mm-hmm. Every time that happens, <laughs> I'm just like, I want to do this for everyone in the world. Yeah. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Yeah. The biggest thing about that is somebody has to be ready. Yeah. To receive and accept. Ready for the healing. Ready to receive it. Exactly. So I, oftentimes I don't mention Reiki unless somebody brings it up. Mm. Um, You know, I do introduce myself, especially in networking events. Like I am a Reiki practitioner, but I never say, do you want Reiki? Unless somebody absolutely needs it because when they do, want it or are ready to receive they will come to me yeah so i've put out the intention that all clients that come to me 
resonate with me because mm-hmm. I am not for everyone and not everyone is for me and that's okay. Right. Especially as a practitioner, I have to keep that in mind because it's not like I want all of the clients, you know, bring them to yeah. me. Like I want to work on everyone. It is those who are aligned with me at this moment in time. And so I've set the intention that everyone who comes in the door, once they walk into my clinic, it is a healing space. Mm-hmm. It is the journey has begun before they even lay on the table, which is so beautiful in itself. Um, and so that alignment is really beautiful. And, you know, Reiki for me, every time I do a session, I receive Reiki healing as well. Mm. Because instead of giving my own energy, it is the unlimited quantum energy. And going into quantum physics, like all timelines are aligned mm-hmm. and all energy is constantly present. And can constantly be converted into healing energy. So, quantumly, that is what what's happening. But tangibly, I use the Reiki symbols, and I've used them for a long time. And I open myself for this channel, and then I just simply lay my hands, and the person's body pulls in the energy mm-hmm. as it needs, and the energy flows to where it needs to go in the body to certain organ systems, certain chakras, any injuries they may have to the brain to balance the thoughts. You know, Reiki is really good for improving sleep and like helping people stop overthinking. Mm -hmm. So many things, those are just some of them. But as the practitioner, I also receive the healing myself because it's like a bucket. Reiki flows into me. Once one bucket is overflowed, it flows into the person. Mm. And then I am just the channel for that extra energy. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So in quantum mechanics is vastly fascinating to yeah. me. Um and I think a really big part of what you were just talking about that just clicked and made so much sense is that everything um follows the laws of physics, right? Energy exists within physics and um if there is an empty space, it is a vacuum and things flow to fill it, yeah. right? Like that is, we know that if you have a container and you pour water into it, it fills the container until it overflows. And water is molecules and atoms just like energy is. Yeah. So thinking about it like flow, the, the body <laughs> almost like sucking it up like a vacuum, yeah, it but does. it's like that is what it's doing because it is creating a vacuum, right? That is so interesting to me. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to share. Um, every single time we've had a Reiki session, I've had like a slightly different um, experience than the time before, which I think is beautiful and speaks to your work and your ability to align with your client and with the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And that nothing, no session will ever be the same, right? Yeah. And so I think that really speaks to your skill um, and the space that you hold. Yeah. Um, in our first session, I don't think I told you this, but it's so funny hearing you talk about like sharing these codes or messages or downloads or whatever that may be, because I remember. I kept like having, my mind was like blank. And then sentences or phrases would pop into my mind. Mm. Two, three seconds later, you would say them. 
Whoa. And I was like, <gasps> wow. Weird. <laughs> but also really cool. Yeah, that's and I, amazing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so that is a message from my body, from my higher self, savvy, fully read that, knew that I needed that and was making sure that I listened to it. And it was one of the moments that also for me helped me identify what that voice is for me. And when I hear that, like what frequency does it speak at for me and when to tune into it? Because I was like, why else would you be able to repeat it in this moment of healing when we are in connection in Reiki energy, like it has to come from a place of love and light and healing. And so that was just really powerful for me. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was, I, it was crazy. Then another time I had been having really bad back pain and I have an extra vertebrae in my back, which is random, um, but it causes more instability just because there's more joints. Um, And we finished our session and then I went to get up off the table and I like stretched before I did and I just went boop, 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 boop and popped all the way down my back and I was like, she's done it again. <laughs> she has done it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I stood up and I was like, I felt like three inches taller. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's mm. so truly, truly, it is so powerful. Um, and I, I feel like I really am fascinated by skeptics, which I don't want to harp on the negativity of people who it's not for them or haven't, aren't aren't ready for it or anything like that, because I'm like, I don't want to bring that into the space. But also I think it's really fascinating how people who choose to be in service of other deal with people who aren't ready to accept it. Mm. I would love to hear a little bit about your experience with that. If yeah. if you have had experience with that and maybe how you describe Reiki to people who have no conception of um, energy or energy work at all. Yes, yeah. I think that's really important because there are always going to be people who, who, and I like how you worded it, they're not ready to accept it. It's not a belief system. It's more a modality. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a technique of healing. So a good instance recently that I experienced, because there have been multiple people throughout my line of work that have questioned and just quite frankly, like can't conceptualize mm-hmm the fact that Reiki works and how it works. Yeah. So recently I was in London and I was traveling for a conference, a biohacking conference, which is so cool in itself. That is really cool. Yeah, it was in Amsterdam and it was like 2000 people, super cool. Um, But before I got there, I was in London and I was at this shop It was like half cafe, half tattoo shop. And there was a woman working there. And I told her that I was a Reiki practitioner. She asked where I was from and what I do. And she was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, as a Christian, I have never fully understood how this works. And can you explain it to me? And so we went back and forth for like 30 minutes of her asking questions, me answering. 
And the entire time, you know, I could tell she wasn't super open to it. Not nothing against her. I think it was just the belief system that she has grown up in. Sure. Has not been open to the idea that healing can come from any other place except for the God that Christians believe in. Right. Which is really interesting because the God that in in all religion, the God is the universal life force creator. I was I was just about to go there because yes. that's that's totally my thing. I mean yes. I know you grew up in Arkansas, but I'm like growing up in the Bible belt in a Southern Baptist church. Oh, I did too. Okay. That's the area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's it's real. And even if your family doesn't hold those beliefs, you're going to get it socially. Yeah. You're just going to right. based on the culture that we're in. And that was always my biggest thing with religion was like, we would be in church and in worship. And I'm like, I'm in communion. I'm aligned. I can feel the energy of the people around me. Like, of course God is real, you know? And when I'm younger, I'm like, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe because you're feeling that energy. Right. Um, and then growing up and getting older and, you know, you question, you get curious as everyone should, you should stay curious. Um, realizing that it's just one path to access that same communion, divinity, life force, truth, you know, that just goes by different names, different faces, different belief systems. Exactly. Um, And to me, at least in Christianity, it's like the the number one rule is like, love God, love each other. Mm -hmm. I'm like, anyone who truly holds that belief at their heart, I'm like, see reiki as channeling that same wholehearted love yeah right that divinity that you may call the holy trinity or Mm -hmm. whatever terminology um a christian would use to describe it but you just happen to use different language to talk about that i totally cut you off but i would love to hear (laughs) more of this story yes yeah and to respond to what you said just now the intention is key Mm. the intention of reiki is healing the intention of communion is feeling god's presence and when Mm. so many people have an intention of course it's going to be powerful especially because it is positive they're feeling you know god yeah that is god it might be a limited belief of god but it still is god and to me god is the divine it is the creator the source that's how it is to them too. They just put it into him, he who shall not be crossed, like all right. that. All, all the, yes, anyway, yes, yes. Not getting into the, you know, the fear-based part of it. I truly do believe that like Reiki energy is God energy because we are all one. This is the collective that you are so passionate about and I am so passionate about. And so many people are yes. the collective. We are all one. So Reiki is really just bringing that universal life force back into a person by connecting to them intimately in their energetic field inappropriately and bringing that back into them, just reminding their cells how to heal, reminding their heart how to love, reminding their mind how to be free and open. You know, the intention is healing and it is love. And I don't know how that could ever be bad. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, it talks about Jesus is laying on of hands. 
that was Reiki. That was the Reiki power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, You're like, so anyway, yeah. Jesus was a Reiki practitioner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was certified before he came into this world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I was explaining to this woman how it worked, and you know, in the end, I just realized like her belief systems may at this moment in time be a little limited, mm-hmm. and that's okay. She is on her own divine path, and right now, that is for her highest and greatest good. Her intention for that is totally good. I mean, mm-hmm. I assume, you know, and her asking questions, I think is great because she's just trying to understand it. But by the end, you know, I could tell there was disresonance mm-hmm. and I had stopped explaining it to her. And I was just like, I hope you have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. It was lovely to meet you and all the healing to you. Yeah. You know, and that's what I had to say to someone who wasn't ready to re- ready to accept it and someone who probably doesn't understand it based on their belief systems and their experience Mm -hmm. totally okay there have been other you know skeptics people who want to understand how it works my divine intention is that those who do want to understand they come to me and they ask because i'm i love being a teacher Mm -hmm. you know i i love being a healer but i also love teaching and empowering others and so being able to do that for her was really special Mm -hmm. even though you know in the end whatever came out of it was for the best right well and who knows how much of an impact that really had like a year from now she may go through her own reiki practitioner training and this was like a drop in the bucket right Mm -hmm. and we don't know where in someone's path we're meeting them but i think I mean, just like you said a moment ago, embracing anyone with love and joy and spreading healing, it's like, how can that be bad? Right. It it just can't. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, so you, <laughs> I'm tripping over my words in my own head. Um, in talking about Reiki energy, you said you also conceive of it as God energy. And I totally agree. And I think within my own mind, I use God as the word to refer to the universal collective, universal consciousness, yeah. um, our interconnectedness, the synchronicity <coughs> of being, um, higher consciousness, creator, source, like all of these things. To me, that's what God um, encapsulates. Yeah. I think that, again, going back to language, that word means so many different things to so many different people that I also find myself hesitant to use it unless I'm in a space with someone that I know uses the word similarly. Of course. Um, just because you don't want to communicate incorrectly. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about how you define the word God. Yeah. All of those words are definitely encapsulated in the word God. Whenever I intentionally manifest or say my affirmations or pray, I pray every morning and every night. I pray to God mm-hmm. and my angels because we. I have a soul team. I have angels around me surrounding me and guiding me and giving me blessings and all of that while I manifest my reality. But when I pray... I pray to God and that God is just unlimited. There are no limits to God. And my my personal God is 
so love-based that I know that God is in everything Mm. and God is in me. And I think it goes back to that universal creative force that's underlying in all living things and even all non-living things. Mm -hmm. That is my God. I, I was raised in a town where, you know, pretty much everyone is Christian of some sort or the other. You know, we do right. have some some other like Presbyterian mm-hmm. and, and Catholics and Methodists. Methodists and... for sure in mm-hmm. Arkansas. Um, but my mom always gave me the choice to choose what I believe in. Mm. For that, I have always been so grateful. Yeah. That allowed me to expand into the possibilities beyond religion mm. because religion in my perspective was very limiting i saw everyone going to church every sunday in the same outfit and you know having i mean yes they were they're beautiful experiences like church is amazing you know the people that right. you meet there can sometimes be lifelong friends and like it can be very healing it's the intention about it right but totally my intention was to grow as a person Mm. and i felt like it was just a little cap that i had to kind of sidetrack in order to grow as a person so i i began as like i don't know what i believe as a child of course you Mm -hmm. never really know and then in high school i had many christian friends and especially one best friend she went to church all the time so i would go with her and so i really wanted to believe mm-hmm. in their god i really wanted to be christian because at that moment like that was how i was fitting in was the fitting in versus belonging exactly mm-hmm. that was how i was wanting to see the world where all these other people were too because yeah. i felt like an outsider if i wasn't doing that totally but it just felt so not wrong it just didn't fit so strongly that eventually i was like okay i respect you and love you for your path but I'm going to go on my own. It's not mine. So they be- then be- I became agnostic. And mm-hmm. I was like, who knows? Who knows what's a belief? I mean, I could be a part of all these different religions, but, you know, what is for my highest and greatest good? I was still finding my path. In the last few years, since graduating school, because I'm 20, very young on this journey, but I really believe that age is just a number. Totally. Um, I have let go of the programming and when i say programming i mean the repeated the repeated thoughts and beliefs throughout my childhood as i was evolving as a human that have what i thought made me who i am that i'm letting go of that programming has needed to be let go in order to realize that the universal life force that is God transcends any human religion, any human belief about what they think God is, transcends any limitations between you or me, this object and that, this experience and this timeline, it transcends all of that. God is ever pervading. Mm -hmm. And that is what's so beautiful about it. And that is where I am now. 
is God works with me, in me, and through me in my energetic healing. That happens to be called Reiki, but it's really just God force. Mm. That is the ultimate healing. I love that. I think, um, yeah, that's so powerful. And religion absolutely is a social construct that puts this ever pervasive, ever expansive thing it into a container to try and make it accessible and understandable. Mm. And I think that originally that probably came from a good place of wanting to help people tap into source and helping people um, establish morals and values. And I, I think there is some good that can come. However, I mean, depending on who you ask, right? But there's also been a vast amount of harm that has come from organized religion as well. And I totally agree with you that something that is, I love that you said ever pervading, that's so like on point with the feeling of my conception of God. If something is ever pervading, how do you put definitions around that? Like you are by speaking it into existence it is crumbling like as you speak it It, it, you just can't um and so i think that's really really powerful and just continuing to stay open to it and curious is wonderful i also heard something the other day that was the word god is i I was watching the the new pete holmes comedy special said that he heard this from the roadie of ACDC, I think, which is <laughs> so random, but okay. I love it. Yeah. He said that he says that God is the blanket that we throw over the shape of mystery so that we can see its outline. Ooh, and I was like, I wow. love that because we need, as human beings that are drawn to connection and communion and communication, yeah we want something to be able to point to and say, that's that, that's what this word is. Right. And it's like, I think religion and the word God has totally become this blanket. But when the thing that's underneath the blanket wants to move and expand and be, I think you do have to take the blanket off. Yeah, that's such a beautiful metaphor. Right? In reality, the idea of God is so vast that it cannot be grasped. No, no. Yeah. What a beautiful place to end. I have two final questions. Okay. Um, first one, in light of our conversation and everything we talked about, did I miss anything? Do we need to clarify anything? Do you want to round back to anything? Is there anything that we just didn't talk about at all that you want to talk about? This is space to make sure that you feel good about the conversation. Mm, thank you for holding space. Yes, of course. <laughs> I I love these conversations. Um, I don't have anything in particular. That's okay. That's perfect. You know, I'm really excited that the emotional decoding course that I'm about to take mm-hmm. is going to lay the foundation for the energetic healing work that I'm going to do because... Yes, Reiki is giving healing. Reiki is also helping those release 
what is blocking them from their highest potential. Mm. And that's the potential of healing, of love, of knowledge, whatever it may be. Reiki gives and Reiki can also help release because like you were talking about earlier, it is a bucket. Once you release fear and trauma and PTSD and triggers Mm -hmm. and those things that have just created physical illness or disease or disresonance within the body or emotional guards or energetic blockages, once you release all of that, there is space to be filled. So Reiki is really, the way I do it is very somatic. I help depending on the person's intention. If they just want to receive healing, then they can. If they want to release, then they can. I ask the intention. I ask them to keep it in mind throughout the session. With that intention in mind, we are manifesting the healing that looks and feels the best for them Mm. in that moment. So by releasing and putting in, healing is always accessible. And then Reiki energy, once you receive it once, you are constantly open to the flow of healing. So it's not just a one-time thing. Even if you come in for one session, you are always receiving that healing afterward. And Mm. I think that's really beautiful. That is really beautiful. Yes. And thank you. I want to say thank you for receiving this conversation and listening so well and being such an amazing opportunistic creator of this space this is so beautiful what you were doing and i thank you i truly appreciate your mission i give you all of the support and healing is coming to you fully for this this beautiful mission that you have and everything that you're gonna do with this so thank Thank you you for having so much yes (laughs) It, it really is so synchronistic and i'm just filled with such gratitude when you find people that resonate resonance wellness resonate with that same mission and though there may be different modalities that it all comes back to the same heart of it of the thing of the stuff um so thank you for the good stuff (laughs) thank you for being in this space with me um one last final question what is one word to describe how you're feeling right now Mm. expansive i love that (laughs) i love that that's so great um I, that, wait, let's just end it there. I thank think you, that's Reese. perfect and beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for oh. your time, space, and energy and kind words. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all so, so very much for being here today for episode eight of Making Meaning. And of course, a huge thank you to Savvy for her time, energy, and expertise. You can tell she's just lovely and wonderful. And I'm so excited to see the reaction to this episode and so glad that you get the chance to hear it. You can find Savvy at Resonance Wellness Collective on Instagram or at Savvy Energy Healer underscore RP. 
that is where she will be posting all sorts of stuff about energy healing so i highly recommend finding her over there if you want more from cohere you can follow us on instagram where all of our main stuff is or tiktok facebook linkedin or threads all at the cohere collective thank you to tristan morgan for making meanings theme music you can find him on instagram at tristan morgan and a big thank you to nicole ostriker for making meanings art and podcast cover you can find her on instagram at nicole o creates or nicole o design if you'd like to follow me on instagram you can do so at lillian reese brown and right now i am feeling inquisitive I think I always feel like I want to like pull out my thesaurus and flip through it for this last portion of the outro. Um, I actually just saw Saltburn with some friends and it has just like lodged in my brain and I just have so many thoughts about that movie, about that film, but also it is totally a masterclass in bringing together seemingly disparate themes and merging them into one cohesive narrative that argues a really cogent and interesting point. And so it's been really inspiring for me as a creative person. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it because I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm diving into Emerald Fennell and all of her beautiful work because this is the first film of hers I've seen. Um, yeah, so random tangent, but worth it. I think that is all I have for y'all today. Thank you for being here, for being a part of the collective. Well, thank you for being here, and I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Until next time, love. <laughs>